You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our weekly AIB Market Talk and Brexit update on Tuesday the 17th of December. I'm Jane Kavner from our Customer Treasury Unit and I am joined this week by AIB's Senior Economist John Fahey who will provide us with the latest market developments, of which it is fair to say there have been many, regarding the UK election, Brexit and the US-China trade deal. John, it's fair to say a lot happened last week, but just before we discuss the recent events in the UK, let's start with the news last Friday from across the Atlantic that the US and China have come to an agreement. Yeah, so in terms of what we saw uh, on Friday from the phase one, so this is uh, what is categorised as phase one of the trade talks. So we have agreement on both sides. So what it does is, bigger picture, it reduces the risk of further escalation of full-blown trade war in the near term. The direct economic benefits of the phase one aspect of it will probably be relatively minor at the moment. There's a limited rollback of existing tariffs that have been there from a US perspective and obviously the tariffs that were meant to come in back on Sunday, the 15th of December, uh, have been cancelled and some of the existing tariffs uh, have been reduced and China has reciprocated on their side. The details on the, the structural reforms that the US wants China to do are still limited. So when I t- talk about structural reforms, this is the key thing for the US in terms of intellectual property rights, technology transfer, financial services. So details on that are, are still vague. So bigger picture though is that near-term risk of an escalation in the trade war between the US and China have been reduced. Now a lot of that had already been priced into markets so we didn't see any uh, huge reaction on Wall Street. Uh, maybe a little bit of reaction elsewhere in global equity markets. The reaction on Wall Street was a little bit more muted but a lot of the uh, progress on those talks had, had already been priced in. Now they don't sign the deal, it's expected they'll actually sign phase one in January. One interesting aspect though of it from a market's perspective was big thing for markets at the moment has been performance of the global economy and the risk to it. The US-China trade tension is obviously a key risk there and central banks have been very cognizant of that. But what we did see in futures contracts in terms of market expectations of interest rates, markets start to price in less easing than they previously had. So for example, if you look at the Fed and the futures contracts from a US uh, Fed funds rate perspective, the market's now only really pricing in one rate cut next year uh, from the Fed. And we had the Fed meeting last week. The Fed itself is saying it won't introduce any more rate cuts vis-a-vis its interest rate projections, but the market's still expecting one rate cut from the Fed in 2020. So that's where we are from that perspective. Um, John, we saw a drop in PMIs across Europe yesterday. Do you see this contrasting with Lagarde's somewhat optimistic view last week? Yeah, well, her her view, I suppose, it was somewhat optimistic in the terms of... uh, statements and the economic outlook. Now, the ECB still describes the risks to the, to the downside from its economic outlook uh, perspective, uh, and they still retain an ease and bias. And the reason for that is just the weak economic outlook. So you referenced there the PMI data that came out yesterday morning. For It was the flash readings for December. So they were pretty weak in terms of the manufacturing fell back. Overall, composite PMI was the same. So the, when you look at Q4 versus Q3, the PMI was weaker in Q4 versus Q3. So what that tells you is that the euro's only economy potentially has lost some further momentum heading into the end of the year. So the tone last week from the ECB generally, which was uh, President Lagarde's first meeting, was still cautious 
overall and that was reflective in their economic forecasts and their projections and the fact that they continue to emphasize that they're willing to do more easing if necessary but for the moment the fed and the ecb both those respective central banks i suppose you could turn them as being off the pitch from a, a, a policy easing perspective the ecb introduced a raft of measures back in september which included a 10 basis points cut to the deposit rate uh, restarted its qe program so over the next couple of months it's just going to let that run its course see the impact that it does have and at the same time just assess the uh, incoming data uh, to see if it needs to do more. The market itself, most is pricing in about five base points of a rate cut from the ECB uh, in 2020. So the market's not expecting any f- huge moves further from a rate perspective uh, in terms of the ECB. Okay, thank you, John. Uh, turning to the UK, it's fair to say Christmas came early, not to mention generously for the Conservatives. With Parliament returning later this week, tell us what happens next. So when we look at what's happened now uh, with Parliament back this week, so the Conservative Party is back with a big majority of 80 seats. So what we expect this week, I think at the moment the Queen's speech is pencilled in for Thursday and then we have the provisionally the second reading of the withdrawal agreement bill on Friday. So what happens now is that given that strong majority, bigger picture from a Brexit perspective is that it's well on course now to be able to leave the EU by the 31st of January because with that strong majority that the Conservative Party now has, there shouldn't be any great difficulty in getting the withdrawal agreement through Parliament. Really the big focus now is going to turn on on the trade deal and, and how that progresses. At the moment, the Conservative Party, uh, Boris Johnson and Michael Gove, have been out over the weekend saying that we can that they can get a deal by the end of 2020 because once the UK leaves in January, the transition period kicks in. So for all intents and purposes, what the transition period uh, means is that even though the UK will have left on January 31st, for all intents and purposes, it will still participate in the single market and the customs union. In other words, for businesses from a day-to-day viewpoint, there's no change in its uh, relationship or its uh, procedures with doing business with the UK. But the timeline that they're suggesting at the moment is very ambitious uh, and all will depend on what level of control the UK wants to take back from the EU uh, in a trade perspective. The more control the UK wants, the less of an integrated, comprehensive trade deal it can get. So the only feasible way really it could get a trade deal within that time period is if it goes uh, at the opposite end of both spectrums of a trade deal. If it was a very limited type trade deal, it might be able to negotiate that. Or if it went for a a trade arrangement that basically mirrors everything that's existing at the moment. But anything in between in terms of a more bespoke trade agreement, it's unlikely that it could be negotiated uh, within that time frame. So we get back into next year. So when we come back in next year, we're really back to a situation where, okay, Brexit has happened in terms of the UK is officially outside the EU, but then you're at new cliff edge dates. So the most immediate one is obviously the transition period ends December 2020, but it, that can be extended and technically that needs to be requested uh, by the uh, middle of summer. So around the end of June, beginning of July, the UK would need to uh, request an extension to the transition period, which can be extended for up to two years. So when we get into next year, we're back at watching key dates and the big focus will be uh, what happens in terms of how those trade talks are negotiating are progressing and just what level of integration that the UK wants. At the moment, the UK is saying that it wants to take back control. Now, no surprise, before the negotiations start, the UK is saying that it's willing to leave without any deal being in place. In other words, fall back to WTO procedures because it's trying to go in with a negotiating stance saying, well, we don't need a trade deal. It's trying to strengthen its, uh, its stance. But in reality, the UK is very dependent on the EU from a trade perspective, much more than the EU is dependent on 
on the uh, UK. So, you know, if you thought that the exit negotiations were difficult, these trade talks, if they try to do a bit more bespoke type agreement, could prove very difficult and could drag on for uh, some time. So it looks like that end 2020 to have it all finalised is is overly ambitious at the moment. The real work starts now. Yes, and the key work, and that will determine the long-term consequences of what Brexit actually means for the UK economy, but also for the Irish economy. John, with your sterling trading at post-referendum lows and cable at multi-month highs, what's next for sterling? When we looked at what happened on Friday, it was interesting enough. So we got an initial boost kind of overnight as the election results uh, came in and it was pretty clear once the exit poll happened at 10 o'clock on Thursday night, obviously that showed strong result for the Conservative Party. Uh, So we saw sterling strengthen a little bit further, but it was interesting though on Friday then that it gave up some of those gains. So the 83p uh, mark uh, for euro sterling was a key level we've called out of support and that's largely held. So we briefly traded below that. So in the aftermath uh, on Thursday night, Friday morning, euro sterling got to a low of uh, just below 83p, 82.78p. But since then, it's kind of gone back up around, around the 83p mark. Uh, and that's because I think now the focus markets now, a lot of the results, a lot of it had already priced in given the opinion polls that have been there. So I think where we've come from, from 80, 90p down uh, through uh, the range there down towards 83p. So and that a lot of that progress happened as the opinion polls were coming in because what the market wants is the market wants certainty. So it's got certainty now in terms of strong conservative majority with all agreement can get through. But now the uncertainty kicks in in terms of, well, what sort of a trade deal do we get? So that's why if you look at where Euro sterling is at it's holding around that 83p level at the moment and it may not move greatly from that till the market gets more certainty as to what level of trade negotiations and how they're progressing so next year you could see increased sensitivity for sterling again to brexit news slow centered this time on just how well the trade talks are progressing because the less integrated the trade deal is then the weaker the outcome is for the uk and in turn then the bigger downward pressure that could potentially come on sterling busy times john Lastly, and just very quickly closer to home, we had Irish growth figures released last week for quarter three. How is the Irish economy performing as we go into 2020? So when we look at the GDP numbers, uh, they're very strong again. So the year and year rate was at 5% and year to date GDP is uh, in the first three quarters is running around closer to uh, 6%. But we always emphasise that the GDP numbers in GMP are distorted. So if we look at underlying growth, which strips out the distortion by multinationals, then modified final domestic demand in the year to quarter three was uh, in the region of 3.5%. So in other words, underlying growth in the Irish economy is around 3, 3.5%. Consumer spending is another clean number. In other words, it's not distorted by multinational activity. That's remained very solid at above 3%, uh, and it's pretty close to its performance uh, from last year. Uh, We also saw very strong services exports year-to-date up very strongly. Two areas of of softness uh, were in construction. That was centred in the non-resi side of things, and also soft business investment. So in quarter three, both of those components were flat in in the year uh, to the quarter. But generally speaking, what we're saying is that underlying growth uh, is around 3 3.5% for the Irish economy. So what it tells us is that Irish economies continue to perform strongly. It's outperforming most of the other major global economies. But we are on a slower growth trajectory compared to where we are in previous years. And that's no surprise because it was going to be very hard to maintain that given the more challenging global backdrop and Brexit uncertainty as well, uh, hampering uh, businesses uh, to some extent. But the underlying picture for the economy is still, it's slower growth, but still very solid growth uh, as we head in towards 2020. John, many thanks as always for your valuable insights.
insight. As this will be our last podcast till 2020, we would like to thank all our listeners for joining us in 2019. And indeed, we look forward to bringing the podcast to you all again in 2020. Our opening hours throughout this festive season are available on our website, fxcentre.com. We would like to take this opportunity to wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a happy and healthy New Year. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.